And welcome to another episode of Two Guys Talking Theology. I am Bruce, and I'm here with Pastor Chuck. And the purpose of our show is an unscripted conversation about God, Christianity, and the messiness of life. You say that, and yet you're reading it off a script. (laughs) Well, they're calling to tell me that I shouldn't read off a script because this is technically an unscripted show. I wish somebody would ask. Caller, are you there? (laughs) I wish somebody would ask for the phone. Oh, they will. I'm sure. So, we are deep into the heart of the studio here where phones ring and rain falls and maybe even some hail in a little while. So, if you lose our voices but you get the sound of phone ringing, phones a phone ringing and the hail and the rain, count yourself blessed that we have been drowned out. <laughs> we have been drowned out. Not very good. So, we're back for, did you say episode two? Oh, yes. This is think, episode two. I think yeah, you we, said that, you're gonna but see, I wasn't... You're going to see quite the difference between episode one and episode two. I feel like our professionalism is increasing <laughs> uh, as the uh, the depth and the texture of our conversations increase. I agree, and I also want to send a special thanks to my mom for listening to our first podcast. So, we had seven viewers or listeners, whatever they're called. Seven? Well, six of them were my kids all listening on different devices. So, Excuse me. For, uh, for the folks at home, you have how many children? Six boys and congratulations! Thank you. And they were all listening to us listening. on different devices to give us seven listeners. And why couldn't you even get your wife to listen? Uh, well, she never listens to me anyway. So why would she want to listen to me on <laughs> a radio? Those are our sound our effects, podcast, by the yes. way. Just no, so no, you no, don't. No know. expense has been spared in the production of this. So, Pastor <laughs> Chuck, I got to tell you, I like most Americans. I'm having extreme sports withdrawal. Yes. I mean, I've been watching The Last Dance with Michael Jordan, uh, you know, longing for the time when we could have live sporting events, and I feel like something significant is missing from my life. How about you? I would agree with that. I uh, am a baseball guy, and so I have not, I mean, I've been watching baseball from South Korea, uh, names I can't pronounce, uh, faces I don't recognize, and then nobody in the stands or the bleachers, so it is uh, not the same, and as you were mentioning earlier to me as we were preparing for this show. <laughs> Excuse word. me, I'd like to pause for a moment. When he says prepare, uh, you can take that with a grain of salt. This You'll, is more of a stream of consciousness thing. Or but unconscious. Or unconscious. <laughs> but but yes, as we were talking, you mentioned you were watching the Cornhole Championships at yes. 1 a.m. in the morning. 1 a.m. in the morning. Cornhole. So we are desperate. And as I was driving in this morning... Uh, I heard a clip from an ESPN little commercial, 22 Minutes is more than a commercial, that they made where they asked people, famous people, to write in, you know, a letter to sports. And it was interesting because one of the celebrities who wrote in said, Dear sports, I miss you. You give structure to my life and you've taught me everything I know about life. And I think that might be more the case for most of us as sports fans, that we've learned more from sports than we probably have from our churches. Or maybe we miss church more now. I mean, we miss sports more now than we miss going to church. It's true. Wow, that's, that's interesting. So, I don't, I don't like to use that I word, but I mean, is sports an idol in American culture? Because I, I got to admit, I mean, my life does revolve quite a bit around sports, but I wouldn't consider it an idol. But yet, I find that its its, it's absence in my life has really made my life kind of unsettling. I, I just feel like I'm at a loss right now. and My life doesn't really have that anchor that I was used to. Sports, I mean, my life 
I'm worried about college football season. I love college football, and I'm, I'm a little concerned that I'm not going to be able to watch it, and I don't know that I'm going to get that same experience, first of all, if I can't go live, because I mean, I like to be in the crowd. I like to hear the chorus of the cheers and be involved in that as we cheer on our team to victory, and then you know, a lot of my rituals during the summer involve going to watch a baseball game and having a nice cold beverage, because quite frankly, if you're just drinking without sports, you may have a problem. But So anyway... Uh, what do you think about that? I mean, is is sports an idol for American culture? What do you think about well, that? Or, or or is it? Or are well, we over? Are we over? If you remember when that? when uh, was it Paul in Athens talking and preaching, and he noticed all of the different idols there in the Areopagus area. Yeah, Areopagus. We'll call it. Yeah, I'm going to have to stop because I'm going to get stuck on that word. So, in the place where they had all their <laughs> idols, Paul was there talking to them and preaching to them. And one of the altars they had was an altar to an unnamed god. I, I would say American culture has lots of idols. Okay. Uh, you know, Kardashians, the sports, our own children, whatever it might be. But but I would say what struck Homer struck a chord with me about this ESPN commercial mm-hmm. spot that I heard was the very things he said about sports are things that should be said about church. Wow. I th- at least I would hope. And the very thing that we're missing most that's not anchoring us during this time should be the fact that we're not able to be in church together. But sometimes I think we line up church right next side, right next to mm-hmm. baseball game or a football game. And so it's the community, it's the fellowship, more than it is whatever we're supposed to be getting from church. And I don't know, I'm not going to claim to know everything we should be getting from church, but you just begin to wonder, are we just one more idol in a stream of idols? So I go to church, because that's my idol for Sunday morning, until my idol for football kicks in, or my idol for cornhole tournaments kick in, or my idol for, uh, what's that channel where they show Christmas specials all year round, or whatever, you know. The Purgatory Channel. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm not not sure. So I don't know. I don't know that maybe the problem isn't that sports have become an idol, but that church is nothing more than an idol anymore. Wow. And maybe I can get in trouble for saying that. I don't even know. Since only seven people are listening, I doubt I'll get in trouble for that. No, you're fine. That's interesting. So, like, so when we build the structure of our lives, if I'm hearing you correctly, our building blocks are just really multiple idols that we use to anchor and give meaning to our lives. Because, I don't know, I guess when an anchor is something to keep you from being moved and give you that illusion of safety. So maybe yeah. my anxiety is just because I don't have that, that anchor of that idol of sports. That's an interesting thought. Go ahead. No, I... In just trying to think this through, because like I said, we don't really prepare for no, this. No, this is unscripted. So that last thought is just a totally new thought to me, that church is an idol. And so we go because it fills a void for us, but maybe that void is friendship. Maybe it's music that I like to hear. Maybe the void is it gives me the idea that I'm doing something good or right or salutary. And so in doing that, it makes me feel better about myself. Like, wow. watching sports generally can take me out of my moment right. and put me somewhere else. Well, that's really deep because, once again, this is unscripted. As you're saying that, 
I'm thinking, well, that in some in some regard, that explains why we are, we're so willing to argue over music and carpet color and worship times. It's not so much that we're there to, uh, you know, give honor and thanks to God for all that he's done for us. It's because it's one of our idols, and if I'm going to have an idol, I'm going to fashion it with my own hands. Yeah, so we become, I guess, so let's just keep taking let's this take, analogy this further. Let's go. I become a, what do they call Monday morning quarterback? Yeah. Armchair quarterback. Sure. So I'm watching the service like I would watch a game. Mm-hmm. And then I can say, oh, I wouldn't have said that, or I would have done that differently. They need a different lighting here, or why did they hire that person, or why do they do those things? Uh, I, I guess you're right. It's because why do we try to control our teams? Because we think we know better, and we want the team to go in the direction we think they should go. So every draft, and we just had the NFL draft, and being a Texans fan, they wasted all their draft picks, or, well, I won't go into that. I won't quarterback this team. But the fact is, there wasn't much to watch because they didn't have that first-round pick, that excitement of getting the first player or the first 15 players where you know it's going to be somebody really good. But we all have our opinions, and you can go on the Internet after the draft is over, and everybody will give you an opinion of who their team should have taken because we perceive a direction that things should go without having the base knowledge of everything else that's going on or what the real purpose or goal of that coach is for that team. Wow. So as you say that, so in some regard, criticism is just our way of giving ourselves the illusion of control. Because really, what an idol, I mean, think about it. What An idol is just to give you the illusion of control in your life. And maybe even give it some kind of meaning. Yes. That's wow, fascinating. Because you think about, so let's go back to one of the first idols in Genesis, uh, Genesis, in the Exodus, sorry, okay. when we're <clears throat> leaving and uh, the Israelites are getting out of Egypt and out of captivity, what happens when Moses goes up on the mountain and he disappears for a while? What do they do? I don't know. What do they do? You tell me. They uh, ask Aaron to do what? Make us an idol, sir. Yes. Fashion for us something that we can worship. And you know what? I've, I've always loved that story because they, they they've witnessed all these America, all these amazing miracles, right? They, their backs was were against the sea. God parts it. They walk across dry land. Now, you can almost imagine that. You know, there's a little bit of mist probably hitting their face. They get to the other side. They see Pharaoh's army totally engulfed in the water. And then here we are a few chapters later, and it's like, ah, gang, ah, Moses isn't here. Ah. I feel like a cow would be a good idol, not a goat. Goats seem dirty. Uh, those people that have the goat as a god, nah, not so much. We're going to go with the cow. So they make a golden idol. I mean, really. Seriously, it's they, true. They, they first-hand experience on all these miracles. and Not even a, a bull. Ah. A calf. No, well, you know. I mean, and, and again, it's the idea that you would worship something that you created. Right. But, you know, because interestingly enough, really what you are doing is worshiping yourself. Because you've created it. And yes. the image of yourself, you know, like we were created in the image of God, but our idols are created in the image of us. So in essence... And so I would say as we try to recreate our sports teams through trades that never happened, calling into sports shows and telling them, because there's a lot of this going on right now, well, we should trade this guy and this guy and this guy and get this guy and this guy. So we're trying to recreate our teams. I think a lot of times... Instead of letting God's word recreate us, 
we're trying to recreate God into our own image so that he fits our needs. So if it's a God that says, you want to do that, get divorced? Go for it. I want you to be happy. You want to drink and eat in excess? Well, if it's in the name of a good party, do it. Uh, you don't want to get up and come to church? Well, you can worship me in the woods. Go ahead and do that. So we create a God that gives permission to us, and he ends up being the fun uncle or the fun aunt who never says no and always says yes for the sake of your own happiness. And really, in this culture, if he starts to get too bossy, I just trade him in for a new God. Right? Correct. I'll just go somewhere else that maybe doesn't require so much of me. So a church, you say, well, this church preaches too much law. You know, they're reading from the Old Testament all the time. Or uh, this church confesses their sins every week. I don't want to really confess my sins. I'd rather just confess my righteousness. As if I had a righteousness apart from Christ. Oh, wait a, wait a minute. You're saying I don't? I don't have a righteousness apart from Christ. You might. Well, no, I'm, I'm pretty sure I don't. I'm pretty sure. I'll I speak you. only for myself. No, I'm like that Pharisee on the corner. Oh, I think I'm not like that guy. Correct. When in fact, I'm worse than that guy. Right. Because I'm not, not even that guy. Because he's praying in earnestness. Oh. Uh, you know? I'm not even doing that. Yeah, I don't even need God because I suddenly I've, I have enough righteousness to cover myself. So, and again, if I were to take my righteousness, my own, and fashion it into clothing, it would probably be a fig leaf. Not nearly enough to cover the COVID-19 that I've put on, let alone the other things that I want covered. And, and that's the reality. But we don't want to go and, and have to admit that someone else's righteousness is necessary. Yeah, the fact that I need somebody. I, I have to have something else outside of me to make me better or to heal me or to or I have to answer to somebody outside myself. And maybe that's it. I don't want to answer to somebody. And, I, and I'll be honest with you. It's easy. We have more church services online right now than we've ever had before. You know, the guy in Ava. Is that a place? Ava? Alva? Ava, Ada, Oklahoma, wherever, somewhere in some small town in Nebraska, you know, pigeonhole Nebraska, whatever. They're putting their services online. And to our one listener in Nebraska, uh, no offense, pigeonhole, <laughs> not really sure. Could be a town. <laughs> but I don't think so. Next to Cornhole Championships. <laughs> so you're out there, okay. and you're putting your service online, and I'm watching it. You know what I'm doing? No, what are you doing? I'm doing the same thing everybody else is doing. I'm critiquing it. Oh, Really? That's the way you do your music. That's the way you stand there in front of the camera. It, it's so easy to do. It's so easy for us as consumers to get caught up in the product. As, and, and that's what we see, I think, ultimately. Sports is a product. Church becomes a product. And it's more about what I'm getting, what felt needs or, uh, or whatever are being met more than it is. I mean, as I understand worship, we come to receive God's gifts in word and sacrament. You know, forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. That's really what I'm coming for. But I'll admit, even when I watch someone else's service, it's hard. Um, I'd say it's hard as a pastor, but I think it's hard as anybody no. to sit in a church and, and to just let God's gifts wash over you and, and have their way with you and to make you and mold you. I mean, I think occasionally we can get lost in a moment. 2017, the Astros won the World Series. Uh, maybe they cheated. Allegedly. <laughs> maybe. maybe. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. No trash um, cans. <clears throat> but let's assume in that moment I didn't know that. 
So, you know what? Someone said to me, just turn off your phone and enjoy the moment. And I did. And I lived just in that moment. So I think at church occasionally that happens on Easter Sunday, a Reformation Day, your kid's baptism, your kid's confirmation, a wedding, where you actually can just live in that moment and let God be God and you don't have to help Him. But then I think the rest of the time, we're trying to tell God what He needs to do Although for that's us. interesting. It spurred a thought within me. is like sometimes we want church to be the end product of our thought process and instead of thinking that maybe we should be the product of some process that God's working through us you know, by the power of the Spirit. That's interesting. It's always a switch. We want to produce the church instead of letting the church produce us as faithful, productive followers of Christ. That's yeah. interesting. Uh, and again, I think if we were to... I mean, I know what... The way I watch sports, my wife doesn't like to watch with me because she's like... You're anxious. You're yelling at the TV. You're yelling at the umpires. Uh, I, I was watching a replay of the Astros World Series with the White Sox, and there was a, a play where the batter swung, and the umpire called it a foul tip. It wasn't a foul tip. It should have been the third strike. He should have been out. Uh, and he ends up getting on base, and the next guy hits a grand slam, and we go on to losing four straight. Well, I'm yelling at the TV. She's like, you realize that's over. I'm like, oh, it's never over. <laughs> it's not over till I'll, it's over, baby. I'll decide when it's over. When the fat man is singing, I'll let you know. Um, but in that reality, I'm not sure where I was going anymore. Well, oh, I know where I was going. She can watch the same sports right. and just enjoy it and just revel in the moment of that was a great play. For me, it's that was a great play. Now there's one out, but how do I get out number two? How do we get out number three? And so if I'm sitting in church constantly evaluating or thinking about, and this is true for me as a pastor, when I go somewhere, it is very difficult for me to just let go of the control of that service and to be however they do church is how they do church. I'm the visitor. I'm the one coming in to receive the gifts, so why don't I just receive the gifts? It's like getting a Christmas present and spending all the time wondering what the Christmas present could be and did they pick up all your clues? Did, did, did you listen to me correctly to get me what I want instead of just opening the present and enjoying what's in the box? And that someone took the time who, think, who loves you and cares for you to pick something out that they think would be meaningful to you. And then to wrap it. Right. I mean, and to give it to you. I mean, isn't that ultimately what Sunday is, is to come and enjoy what God has wrapped right. up for us in human flesh, in the incarnation? And what about the expectation of the, of the gift giver? That's interesting. Like, So when you're just so wrapped up in your receiving the gift, you don't even think about the fact that someone took the time and the sacrifice to give you that gift, and you just dismiss it because it doesn't meet your perceived needs. Wow. Yes. So I did all the work. I came here on Sunday morning. So now give me what I want. As opposed to thinking, well, you know what? God did all the work. Because what's the work of the Spirit according to the Catechism? He calls, gathers, and enlightens. So He calls me into that relationship. He gathers me into that place where the gift is to be given. Really, God is the one continually doing all the work. Even on Sunday mornings, and yet I somehow think my standing up and sitting down... So if you don't know how Lutheran churches work, we stand, we sit, we stand, we sit. It's a lot of squats. It's good cardiovascular workout. And then we sing. And then we put something in the offering plate. And then we say, see, look what I did. Right. Now God should give back to me. I gave him all the clues. Now now give me what I want. 
he, he is all knowing, so he should he should be able to pick up on my clues, though. Yes, so he should be able to give me that feeling that I need. So when the leader leaves and Moses goes up to the mountain and is enshrouded in the glory of God up there, and I need something, Aaron, give me what I need. I need something I can see, touch, smell while it's being smelted or whatever you do with gold while it's being formed and fashioned and chiseled or whatever they do to that and then it's raised up and there it is all the time and I guess the best part about that kind of idol is it's there when I want it it's there when I need it so sports up until now have always been there That's true. but if I'm done with you click I turn the channel off if you make me mad by throwing an interception I'll turn to another football game if your game's out of control I'll find another game so, I don't know, maybe that's what we like, is to be able to touch, feel, see. And God is not, in that sense, other than in the supper, very difficult to see and to smell and to feel and to experience. So when the music doesn't work right, or the carpet's not right, or the lighting's not right, or the microphone doesn't work right, or whatever it is, and somehow this is not the idol I need today, I've got to go somewhere else. Fascinating. I don't even know if we're doing anything at all. No, that's, that's really interesting. Just let me mull that over a moment. So it's radio, so mulling I'm over. mulling. No, it, it's silence. It's we don't have med- mulling. It's meditative silence. I'm going to meditate right now on that thought right there. We have no mulling music. So how, how do we get past ourselves? How, how do I get past myself to just come and be still and know that he is God? How, how do I let go of my perceived notions and wants and desires and just receive God for how he presents himself to me. And maybe not in the way I want him to present himself to me, but the way that he has chosen to present himself to me. Well, and it's funny you used to talk about how presenting. I think ultimately it's how do we present ourselves to God? You know, do we come as people who are whole and have it all together? Like the Pharisee, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like other people. Or do we present ourselves to God as we are? Broken. Bits and pieces of who he wants us to be. Just as I am? Yes. That'd be a good song. We should write one. We should write one. I would Mm -hmm. go just as I am without something. Without... One plea? One plea. We're on to something. Well, we'll we'll get back to that later. So anyway, continue. continue Well, but I think that's what it is, is it's coming in the recognition of who I am. So if I come knowing who I am then I also come knowing what I need. And what I need is not music that stirs my soul necessarily. What I need is not necessarily a pastor who preaches something that makes me feel better about the immediacy of my life. But what I need is God's Word to have its way with me. So I need the law to open the wound that's been healed up over the week so that the salve of the gospel can be applied to that. So just like a burn victim, you want to heal from the inside out, not from the outside in, because the outside in traps infection and and can cause further damage and necrotic skin and everything else. So you want to heal from the inside out. And and that's an ugly process. It's painful. Uh, I've never been burned enough to know, but my wife has told me and I know some of the tools and instruments that they use to open the wounds for burn victims to help the skin continue to grow and not scab over. Mm-hmm. It doesn't sound pretty. It doesn't sound fun. 
fact, I have a friend, and we have a rule. If I'm ever caught on fire and I'm close to 40% burned, he's to accidentally push me in the rest of the way so that I don't have to deal with that because I don't think I could. I'm weak. And I think my weakness towards real fire burn is our weakness towards sin and who we really are. So do we, we don't want to go through the process to have that painfully removed. Who does? Well, who would? I mean, who has a wound and they say to somebody, could you rip this please, wound please open scrape, while I'm sitting here scrape with... Scrape while it, yes. it hurts. Take the cheese grater right. and scrape that wound open and then massage the skin and put things on there. But that's ultimately the only way that can happen. It's the only way that can heal. And so my problem really isn't on the outside. My real dilemma is on the inside. My, my heart. And so you have to cut away at the layers that we keep putting on the, to get to the inside. Right. And, and I think that's the process that we don't want. That's interesting. No, I mean, that's a, that's a hard process. And nobody, nobody wants to go through that. First of all, you don't want to admit that you have that and that you need it removed. I mean, it's easy just to ignore something even though the infection is slowly killing you. Sometimes the treatment, at least in your mind, is more painful than the actual symptoms that you're suffering. So you just choose to ignore it. Yeah, and isn't that the case in most addictions? The first step is acknowledging. Isn't that why at some of these groups, group meetings you come in and you say, Hi, my name is Chuck, and I have a problem, or I'm an alcoholic, or I'm a whatever, I'm a whatever. It's because they want you to admit it. You need to hear it. And isn't that what our liturgy is about in the Lutheran Church is to say... I'm a sinner. I'm a poor, miserable sinner. And I've confessed that I've sinned against God or you in thought, word, and deed by what I've done and by what I've left undone. I've not loved my neighbor as myself uh, and, and all of that. That's that first stage. And once we've admitted that at the very beginning of the service, if we've truly done that, we've opened ourselves up to say, now, Lord, apply the salve. And if we can truly confess those sins, there's no need for the law. Because we're already broken and repentant people. And then the gospel can wash over us, whether it's the spoken gospel through the word of God, or it's the applied gospel in the body and blood of Christ. Those can all be applied to us. Well, I think we've come very close to the end of our time. Uh, Pastor Chuck, do you have any closing thoughts? No, I just hope sports come back soon. Well, I do too, because, you know, even though it's not the main thing in my life, it still provides a little bit of... I don't know what you call a distraction from the anxieties of life, but I just I, I hope after just hearing this conversation that I'm going to be more open to God working on me instead of me fashioning God into what I would like Him to be. Yes. Yeah. Well, so thank you, listeners, for joining us, both of you. We appreciate it, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>